You are tuning into a Modern Man Podcast with J.D. Farrell. We are presented to you by the Modern Podcast Network. I hope you've been keeping up with the Modern Podcast Network and listening to a Modern Woman Podcast airing every Monday with Brianna Donnell. Hope you enjoy. She has great content coming for you. And then Fargo Watch Party. We're deep into season two, baby. Me and Stephen Merriweather. Hope you're watching listening to Fargo Watch Party. Like, subscribe, rate, review. I have a great show for you today. It's a little different. It's just going to be me. I'm going to start by honoring some of the teachers that have affected me, starting from childhood up into the undergraduate level. It is Teacher Appreciation Week in the United States, so I want to honor those teachers. And since we're touching on teachers, uh, Senator Bill Cassidy, he wanted to have some opinions about teachers, teachers union, and kind of their state in our country. So I wanted to touch on him and a little bit about Biden's infrastructure bill, because I know we did a little bit with Brianna and Emily, but I want to kind of specifically do my opinion on that. And then I want to touch base on an issue that it gets a lot of clickbait, but we don't actually discuss it. And that's kind of the radical left. How just like with the right, there is a radical left. And I want to talk about them and kind of figure out where they're coming from. I can't figure out where they're coming from. I just want to kind of disassociate myself with them. But it's a great show for you today. We're getting into it. Let's go. So I want to start today's episode by just like, let's just, let's just clap. Yes, like a standing ovation to all the teachers, the educators, the people out there preparing the youth for the future. That is what this week is about. Because teachers come in many shapes and forms. I'm not trying to discredit any of those teachers in our lives. But this week specifically is for those people that, yes, they're getting paid. And yes, it is a job and they sign up for it. But they choose to educate our children. And I know that there's plenty of people. I'm one of those that are fighting for the 20, 30-year-olds that life is struggling. But kids are the future, unfortunately. And they will say that till the end of time. Because... Yeah, kids are the future. <laughs> and so I'm going to run you through a couple of teachers starting with the high school and middle school teachers, thanking them, appreciating them for what they've done and kind of the small effect they've had on me. They've had bitter, bigger effects, but this is just kind of like the things that throughout my daily life, maybe once a day, once a week, once a month, I remember these teachers for those specific things that they've done and the effect they had on me. So I'm going to lead it off with, honestly, didn't have that many male teachers. And I honestly have never had, I saw this a Facebook post one time and it, it struck me in a way that just made me kind of question maybe what I wanted to do, but I've never had a black male teacher. And as a black man, that there is some psychology to that. But that doesn't mean that any of my teachers weren't phenomenal and didn't embrace me and empower me because a lot of them did. 
So starting with Mr. Frischman. Mr. Frischman, he was my 11th grade English teacher. He was quirky, pretty sure he was Star Wars, kind of geek book identify. He loved that, you know, probably Lord of the Rings, all that type of sci-fi demographic. And now I identify more with it. But of course, being a insecure 15 year old kid like that was not my main focus. But I admired him for his security and what he was and what he liked. And he was just out of the box. And I've always admired out of the box people. So that's always why I connected with him. And that has stuck with me to this day. My my junior English teacher. Then we got Miss Clannon. Miss Clannon at Old Love Grove Elementary. And I was fifth grade. And we did, we had like three teachers and she mainly focused on math and math became my favorite subject because of her. Me and this guy, Jerry would do math problems, what, 20 feet long, the size of the classroom on the whiteboard, just, and she would just be finding these college long programs and helping us solve them. And she drove, I remember that like Honda CRV or something, uh, Miss Clannon. Next, still at Love Grove Elementary, we had Miss Ketchum. And being in second grade, obviously, having the name Ketchum, you know, kids are going to kind of make fun of you. Yeah. Ketchup, obviously, you know. But that isn't why I remember her and want to thank her. It's because she was my teacher when 9-11 happened. So I don't remember anything else from that 2001-2002 school year. But I do remember being in Miss Ketchum's class and seeing 9-11 on the TV in that classroom and then obviously the events that happened after. But she will always be ingrained in my mind because of that, because of that experience we shared together. Then we move on to 12th grade. We move on to Miss Ann Welsh. She was also English teacher. Seems to be a little theme. No. And English wasn't even my favorite subject, but it, I do enjoy it now. But she just could tell you she loved her job and cared about the students, cared about the material, just really felt like she cared about each one of us. I, it's It's hard to describe, but you just know the feeling. And it's more than just the material that she taught us. And, yeah, love Miss Welsh for that. And my last and kind of superficial, all right, we, sa we saved the best for last, okay, is my third grade teacher, Miss Crowell. We had multiple. She was one of the rotating third grade teachers. I don't I remember what subject she taught. I just know she had me constantly interested. She was like a Hawaiian princess. like, And so all the little third grade kids loved her. Beautiful black hair, you know, that Polynesian. And yeah, I, I can't really make out exactly what she looks like to this day. I just remember being in that little third grader and all our friends were just obsessed with her. But... And those are my, those are my, you know, grade school, middle school. Didn't really go to middle school. That's why I don't have any 
teachers that I love from middle school, but a few in high school. And then obviously we got the graduate level and onto college. And the first professor who really took a liking to me, and honestly, I switched from marketing to pre-med because of her, was this Dr. Billiot. It was chemistry one. You know, I was just taking the class because I needed an undergraduate, uh, like, core science requirement. And one of my friends who I went to school with, she was taking chemistry. So I'm like, why not? And she was like, oh, my gosh, you are so good at this. The stoichiometry, the chemistry, like, you need to be a chemist. You need to switch to chemistry. I'm like, I don't know. I don't love science. She's just like, no, 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 I'm going to make you change. And. Sure enough, I changed from marketing to environmental chemistry. After that, that was at A&M Corpus Christi. And after that, a few, few things happened and a few years went by. And then I ended up at the University of Central Oklahoma. That's where I eventually graduated with my degree in psychology. And I love that department. A lot of those professors, I really love those professors. We can, we can go through them all from, you know, Master Gazer, who I really did enjoy, Dr. Kazer. But the ones I'm going to touch on, first, Dr. Lack. Love Dr. Lack. And I took his inaugural class. He wrote the book. He taught the class of, it was applying psychological science and pseudoscience. And it really just gets you to think abstractly. You get a lot of information in from a lot of different sources. And if we choose to believe it all, where would we be? If we choose to believe none of it, where would we be as well? So he just wants you to apply critical thinking to situations. Next, I had Dr. Lemke McLean. And she was smart as hell, this woman. Ooh, hearing her story and how she went up and yeah, we were completely different. She, yeah, I, I don't have that kind of mindset that she has in the academia field. She is amazing. But the way she breaks it down for ways she writes papers and cites sources and finds articles and things like that, she really dumbed it down for me. And I was, I've been able to dumb it down to so many other people teaching it. And yeah, that's what she taught me educationally. And I take it professionally, personally elsewhere so thank you dr lemke mclean then we got dr doan dr doan it's this one line that's one line he said and i am so ashamed something happened in his class we don't got to bring up but i he said this one line to me and not to me specifically but to the class and he's probably said it to classes before but it stuck with me and we know in the field of psychology, like there's a huge problem. It's not just psychology, it's anything, but we're talking about psychology in this class. And that's labeling. And when you immediately label someone and give them a disorder and put this on them, it almost self-handicaps them. So instead of labeling and calling a, a mental disorder or a mental illness, he likes to say it's a problem with living. Because in his point of view, maybe the schizophrenic isn't the one that's wrong. The world is wrong. Because if you put 10 schizophrenics, 
and a community, they're going to survive and they're going to be okay. But if you put a schizophrenic into a community of nine people who don't have schizophrenia, then there will be a problem and there will be a disconnect and he will be seen as having a problem with living. So I really loved how he broke that down. And I try and tell everyone, like, we all occur problems with living. And you have to, that's why if any time I'm going through something in life, I try to assess, like, okay, what is different? What's changed? What's the current state? And then, you know, you just try and work on that from there. And again, these aren't in any particular order, but last, but not least, the other ones were adorable because we saved Miss Crowell for last because, you know, she a Hawaiian princess. But Dr. Rupp. And Dr. Rupp, he would be, I guess, the collegiate version of Jonathan, um, of Mr. Freshman. He is quirky. He was the one smoking on the corner outside the university with the students, like drinking the beers at the dive bar with the students. Like, that's Dr. Rupp. Long hair, beard, you know, has like five different PhDs. Yeah, did his PhD over Isaac Newton. Like, I love the simple fact of his class. Like, he was like, you're seniors. You've went through this education. Like, you you don't need all these tests regularly. You don't need to prove. You've proven enough that you've made it here. So it's not like he was going to just not let us work. But he made the final paper, the final, just the whole semester-long project. He said, pick someone and you're pretty much doing a dissertation, like an undergraduate level dissertation on them. And I didn't think of it in the beginning, but then it's after that's what he explained to it because his dissertation was on Isaac Newton. So he was like, pick someone and how they, their impact on the world related to like a psychological issue. And it just really helps you deep do a deep dive into their history and then apply that history to like real world events. And that's exactly what you do in a dissertation. You take an element of learning or field or theory and you apply it to real world. And I did Sojourner Truth and talked about how you know, her upbringing, the slavery, her kids being taken away from her and all the effects that that had, what it did to black men today and to society today for black women today because of how strong she was, the grit to have to fight through slavery. And that's like single moms have today and kind of fathers abandoning their children because people from rival slaves would kind of mate and have babies. And so the slave owners would purposely sell, sell the babies to foreign slave to a random owner so that they know that the slave wouldn't try and run away. And so black men have been kind of like our brains and the myelination have been ingrained to learn like, Oh, to flee. That's kind of my assumption that I made. Like, I'm not saying it's true. There's no research. That's just the assumption. But he was just he was just very smart. He everyone said he had a photographic memory. He could read an entire 20 page essay in minutes. And it was just the knowledge 
he could share with us about just the progression of science and how it relates to religion and Christianity and everything and suppressing real world emotions. Yeah, his class was awesome. So I want to thank all those teachers who had a personal effect on me. And I want to thank teachers all across America who are out here. We know you need to get paid more, but just thank you because there's a fight. Today's just a thank you. I know we, we can fight something else later, but today I just want to thank you. And then that, that leads on to my kind of discontent with the Republican so-called moderate senator of Louisiana. Bill Cassidy. He came on and he was talking about how he doesn't like Biden's new infrastructure bill. And let, let me break this down for you real quick, because this is what's confusing to me. Like, what do people think is infrastructure? Like, this isn't a country is, yes, a business, but a country is bigger than a business. So in a business, part of your infrastructure, yes, is the building. So buildings and bridges, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that is part of infrastructure. And that's like plain and simple what infrastructure is. But you know what else goes into businesses? You need licenses. You need insurance. You need materials. You know what I mean? There's way more than just the concrete building which goes into infrastructure of a business. So in relation to a country, there's a lot more that goes into it than just the infrastructure of buildings and bridges and roads, okay? And that's what a lot of Republicans are trying to fight about this whole infrastructure bill. I'm, I'm fucking up saying infrastructure right now, excuse me. So first, let me touch on how this is 2021, okay? This isn't the 1800s when we got railroads and just, you know, some buildings and bridges around our country. No, this is 2021. This is just off the top of the dome. I'm not even, you know, this isn't no notes or anything. This is my image of infrastructure of our country. The government... Yes, doesn't need to have total control, but the government provides the infrastructure so then private companies know how our economy works. So, yes, the basis of anything is buildings, roads, public transportation, which almost no major city in our country has. Those are basis of infrastructure. Okay. You know, what's also a part of infrastructure in 2021. Broadband Internet. Like a lot of countries have a free global public service internet. Like in the major city metro, there's a free public internet. And it is 2021. We realize when these kids are home and we're having to, they're going to need internet anyway to go home and do homework. And if everyone can't pay for it, we shouldn't make, like, yes, you should be able to pay for better internet. But internet at this point in our life, internet is not like a specialty like it's almost a necessity we saw this when schools you need internet to do school and if they can't afford it we can't have kids that 
aren't able to get internet. Like you can't, you can't punish the kids because their parents can't afford internet. So internet is part of infrastructure. Healthcare. We've been trying to get healthcare for the longest time. We don't have to try and push it through now. But universal healthcare is a part of infrastructure because it's a part about the basis of your country. Okay? Also, part of this bill, which I agree, is cars. We're moving to green, renewable energy sources. So that means not only cars, but then electricity for your homes. So about having infrastructure, we need to figure out, okay, what kind of cars are we developing? A lot of this money goes into developing green and electric cars. That's why this is getting pushed through. Because we have to set the press. The government sets the standard and then privatized companies beat that. We're not saying we want the government to have the best available options. No, we just need the government is here to set this bar for us. And then the private companies, because I'm, I'm pro open market, I'm pro competition, but we do need a basis level for all citizens. And then we need to invest in renewable energy. Coal is dying. Coal is dying. But then look, a part of infrastructure, once again, is as we're investing in new resources, we also invest in those workers that are now being displaced because of coal, because of oil. So the same way we're bringing money to provide new jobs, we're also putting more money for layoffs and to retrain those people so they can find new jobs as well. This is all a part of infrastructure. And this is one of the most important parts of infrastructure for me is schools. People have said children are the future. Okay, especially the right have they they don't want you having abortions. They don't want you killing no babies. So if we don't want no baby left behind, all right, no baby dead. Why can't we educate them to the best of our abilities? Hmm? Why don't we want them to have the best? And then with this, oh, with all the hundred billion dollars, which has been. It's two. We started three. We started three. All right. So there's still going to be two years that the mom has to find child care, but it'd be preschool for three and four year olds. I am so passionate about this. But Senator Bill Cassidy, who is a public servant, a senator. He came on and he. He's anti public service unions but he's a public servant. Why do we have people who just want to say what they say because it looks good to their base? They don't actually mean what they're saying. I just don't. He was saying, why would we want to give more money to the teachers unions? That was his point. He said, we saw during the pandemic, the only time in the last hundred years, anything has ever happened. He said, the teachers unions didn't want to send our kids back to school. So we want to give them more money and more power. The one time, the one time that a global, not even just, you know, national, a global pandemic broke out. 
and they didn't want to rush to send kids back to school because, yes, maybe a lot of teachers deal with a lot of these issues. That's why they like the health care that being a teacher provides. I don't know. I am spitballing. Teachers didn't want to go back. They're not paid combat workers, okay? And it was a combat situation. So why cannot we not give teachers a break for one time in their lives saying, hey, maybe I don't want to endanger me, my family, my children, my friends by teaching around a bunch of kids who you never know what their families are doing and what their families are bringing in. They do it constantly, constantly when kids have the flu. Kids come to school, kids teach around. This was something that was unknown that everyone's just trying to figure out. And teachers wanted to say, hey, let's take a step back. I know that students are suffering. Everyone is suffering, okay? Just because you would be in person doesn't mean that they wouldn't still be suffering. So I am 101,000% for this new infrastructure bill and I hope it goes through tenfold because infrastructure is more than damn buildings and bridges and roads infrastructure is the whole framework of your community and your country and we need this infrastructure going forward and I'm going to leave that alone there now what's up radical left yes that is what we're talking about now i'm talking about my disdain my complete dislike discomfort discontentment hatred hatred and i don't use that word hatred yes my hatred for the radical left i am embarrassed that i have some of these people as friends it's disgusting. I'd rather have dinner with racists than these people. It pretty much is racism. They think it's okay because a racist, because you're black or because you're gay or, you know, or not open, sorry, I'm thinking, or uh, bi. They just like a person may hate you, a racist may hate you, a prejudice may person may hate you. But if you're now gay or even black and hate people that hate gay people and think they're disgusting and want to die, then you're no better than them. Like, I don't want someone who disagrees with me to die or call them a piece of shit. No, I want to understand why they disagree with me and understand how can we work together if we're never going to have a common denominator then yes we don't have to be friends but i won't hate you because hate means i'm putting energy into the world and i don't like to do that for people who don't matter to me you can just be and like i'll be but unless you do something to like if plenty of people hate me so why do i care another White man, even Mexican man may hate me because I'm black. Like, I don't have time to be hating them because they hate me. That's their problem, not mine. I also, I learned 
not to compare people's struggles because I used to have this problem a lot being, you know, a black man and I would see a white woman and be like, you got a good girl. Like, do you see me walking around? Like they think I'm a criminal. They think I'm this, they, they just maybe don't respect you as their boss. Like you, you don't have it. I used to always compare. And now I learned like that doesn't get anyone anywhere. I don't, put down anyone's struggle. I don't put mine above anyone else's. We all have struggles we go through. I try to be as empathetic as possible. But then I was talking to one of these radical left and they said, no, fuck that. No, fuck that. Okay. All right. Like, okay. So we are comparing everyone's struggles. Like what, what is that? Where does that get us? I'm like, the servant in India struggle is never going to compare to anyone in America's. So what are like, huh? They're two different mindsets, ideologies. Like, no, we would not get anywhere just sitting there trying to compare and then saying like, all right, how do we make this even? Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but I'm saying, Let's just understand that everyone has a struggle and let's just try and be empathetic to everyone. Also, I'm talking about a a kind of specific group of these radical left that I honestly know a handful of them, so I'm kind of describing them. These people, they don't value education. No, They're, they're like, why do you listen to them? Why? Because they have a PhD. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why? Like, I mean, it takes like 10 years and energy and time. And it shows me that you actually care about the subject. But why? And I'm like, I think I just told you why. Do you want me to say it again? Because it takes 10 years. And it's like, but why? All right. Okay. So... Should I trust you over a doctor to give surgery on me? Yeah. Like, what? Because they went to medical school? Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. Crazy. Also, one of these friends who's, like, in this same group. Because this this wasn't told me directly. This This was told... I kind of want to, I want to close on the, this radical left. I don't want to go too deep on them, but two examples of just like, I don't understand where they're coming from. One was about the new, what was it? Fred, not Fred Hampton and the black Messiah, Judas. It was Judas and the black Messiah. These people are like, oh, we've been trying to get a Fred Hampton movie made. We've been trying to get a Fred Hampton movie made. And then once it made, they're like, oh, that movie was trash. It was only made for money. They didn't say nothing about Fred Hampton. It's like, what? Did you want a movie about Fred Hampton? Because, I don't know, I saw the movie and it seemed like a movie kind of about Fred Hampton. And, of course, it wasn't a complete biopic of every thing he did from start to finish but the thing is is 
I didn't know about Fred Hampton because our fucking fucked up government system, like our history doesn't tell us about Fred Hampton. But I got to see him. I saw how awesome he was. And then I did my own research on Fred Hampton. Like, why are people mad at Universal Studios that doesn't make a movie that everyone personally thinks is perfect? Like, that's not going to happen. They make a movie that 20 million people are like, they're happy. Like, you're trying to make sure. Every, and then at the same time, if it appeals to you, it doesn't appeal to 30, 40% of the other population. But you're okay with that because it appeals to you. That's the logic I don't get. Okay, and here's another example. This was recent too because, you know, CDC just released and uh, the new update that if you're fully vaccinated, you can, you know, go to a park, hang out without a mask. And so this person said, I can't believe I see people walking around with just no mask. Like, I just want to walk around and not have to be surrounded by people with no mask. And I'm like, well, the CDC did say that if you're fully vaccinated, it's perfectly okay to be outside without a mask. Well, who's the CDC? I'm like, uh, they're a pretty reputable organization, like, you know. And I'm like, well, have you at least gotten your COVID vaccine? They said, no, it's not a priority. Oh, so here's the logic. You're mad that people are listening to people much smarter than them who said it's okay to do something. Right? You're, you're mad at that. And then those same people that are saying the only way that we'll be through this pandemic is if we all get vaccinated. And you just don't think it's a priority. But you're like mad. People are still dying and we're not wearing masks. But you don't want to get a vaccine. So I just, I'm like, again, the logic. Where I don't get the logic. It's like you just want people to wear masks. Yeah, because the same people who told you there's a vaccine are the same people telling you or the same people telling you there was a virus are the same people telling you to get a vaccine and you listen to them then, but not now. Uh, logic again, like I know where a racist is coming from, this, but I don't know where these people are coming from. Like. I can sit down with a racist and we can have a piece of pizza and we can just understand he don't like me because I'm black. But, hey, fuck it. I understand that you at least. I, I, I like to try and understand people. I don't understand these people. And please, don't lump, you know, progressive, moderate liberals with the radical left too. We just don't know their logic. Man it on that because it's as simple as that. I'm out here trying to listen, trying to find out, but your boy is he's lost. That's gonna be it on this episode of a Modern Man podcast. I'm gonna be 
Friday, I'm going to be on Fargo Watch Party with Stephen Merriweather doing season three of the recap. And then you got Brianna Donnell's podcast coming out every Monday. Remember, every Monday, subscribe on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And then I'll see you next week on A Modern Man. We are presented to you by the Modern Podcast Network. You know, share it with a friend. Like, rate, review, subscribe. See you next time.